So this is the Avijja Sutta, Sutta on Ignorance, um, Anguttara 10.61. Bhikkhus, it is said that no first point of ignorance is evident, before which there was no ignorance, and afterwards ignorance came to be. <coughs> um, so as you said, quite a lot, ignorance is beginningless. Mm. Um, ignorance of what? <coughs> well, you can answer it in many different ways, but uh, the point is, practically speaking, you don't start in a neutral position. You already start, Quite. begin hindered, obstructed, obsessed, limited, restricted. So, um, that's what ignorance is. Why do you... Why is it that... Um, I mean, yeah, obviously, it's because that's that's how it is. But mm. um, why is it so, so sort of difficult to um, not see the possibility of, of not ignoring? Mm. Well, because you have no uh, reference point that's not affected by ignorance. So any standpoint you take, but takes in ignorance, it's rooted in ignorance. And that's why it's so difficult. So, no standpoint can just suddenly show you a situation. There are no markers for it. Any standpoint you take will be ignorant. So, top to bottom. So then what do you do? How do you then figure your way out? Well, that's where the gradual training comes in. You figure it out by upholding certain behaviors sense restraint, virtue, which in return diminishes. Not that you can see it, not at a time. You can see it later on, after which your efforts would have been verified, but initially you can't see. You can make some sense you know, out of it if you're authentic and intelligent and so on, but fundamentally it comes down to doing it regardless of your standpoints keeping the precepts, guarding the sense doors, watching your intentions, and so on. And that diminishes that vicious, uh, weakens that vicious cycle of, of ignorance feeding more ignorance, standpoints feeding more standpoints. <coughs> and if you stick to those training precepts and tame your mind within that, then you get to see your situation from the inside. And that's Sotapati, basically. And that's what we said in that, uh, the seven chariot, the relay chariot sutta. Like, the, the, the views will be purified, not because you figured it all out intellectually and made sense out of it. The views are purified when your behavior is purified, where the composure is regained within that. So samadhi results, direct result, from nothing else other than sense restraint and precepts. Purification of the views is a result of that. But that's not uh, natural, that's not something that um, one would, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, what is natural is to, is to want pleasure. Or, yeah, it's, it's to yeah. <coughs> fundamentally, <coughs> the most natural <coughs> thing is to uh, put your standpoints first. Yeah. The, the, the craving for the views, that's why the views are the most blameworthy thing. The wrong views is the most blameworthy thing, as the Buddha said. Um, so, yeah, you would go against that grain. 
against that tendency. Not that you can stop having views, but you can certainly uh, stop emphasizing them. So put your views aside, review your behavior, your actions, and purify it like, like a skilled goldsmith would be purifying gold. First from coarse impurities, then more refined impurities, then more refined impurities. <coughs> and then, next thing you know, you don't have those standpoints anymore. You can see what proceeds the standpoints. Or no, you just don't the have necessary them basis. They're gone because they have been Cause unplugged. Because you've you've seen the context, or you've been able to. Um, no, because you purified them. <coughs> you purified them through sense restraint, uh, watchfulness of your intentions, general taming of your mind, and then these views have lost their 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 power, their weight. The, 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 the standpoints, yeah. the, the, the wrong emphasis has mm. disappeared. Mm. So you can have still thoughts and standpoints, but they won't be carrying the same weight. They won't be emphasized because now you know exactly how the mind is stained, how the views are diminished, and how the freedom from suffering is, is developed. Through gradual training, not through the opinions on it. And the opinions that persist would then just be, a, without that weight, would be a correct representation of what you did. So, the right view. So, like an arahant cannot ignore? No, 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 because arahant's mind cannot be untamed anymore. Cannot be provoked anymore, cannot be disturbed, cannot be perturbed. Thus, no, no views, no standpoints can arise. <coughs> so the sutta gives ten fuels for the uh, for ignorance. For ignorance. Um, so just to clarify before going into that, so ignorance is not on the level of the views. It's, on it's not on the level of oh, I haven't read enough suttas or figure things out. It's on the level of that self-induced delusion, distraction, greed, aversion through your acts and your choices. That is what ignorance is, choosing to turn a blind eye. That's basically what the sutta says. Yeah. Um, so, um, <coughs> yet, it is evident that there is a specific condition for ignorance. I say that ignorance is fueled by the five hindrances. Mm. Um, as you say, yeah, it's it's acting out of Acting out of pressures, <laughs> obsessions, I mean, the five hindrances, they all boil down to greed, aversion, distraction, one way or the other. So, choosing to act out of those things, you're fueling a vision. You're fueling the attitude of ignoring, turning a blind eye, of, of, of not being clear. <coughs> yeah, the, the translation of moha is delusion. Delusion, yeah. yeah. Moha sounds... Sounds like delusion, yeah. <laughs> like moha. <laughs> You're a fool, kind of thing. But I like the the, the translation of distraction because yeah, it's, yeah. it's a practical thing. You know when you're yeah. distracting yourself. Yeah. There's some recognition there. But yeah, I guess so. Most person who's ignorant is distracted, yeah. and he's ignorant because he keeps himself distracted. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he doesn't know that he necessarily distracted. You know, he's 
he's engaged with the mm, world. Mm. Yeah, in the same sense, an intoxicated person uh, is not aware of his that he's drunk. I was, I was just until he sobers up. I was just going to bring up the intoxication, mm. like even the the way that the Buddha talks about, like the intoxication of youth, the mm. intoxication of life and health. In and health, in the sense that, like, old age, sickness, and death are not things that are hidden from people. They're mm. not things that mm. are in, they're very obvious nor are the things that will come later they're already here exactly yeah. and you're already subjected subject to the possibility of people all around you can mm. fall fall sick die get old and so you, you you could pay more heed to them but it's like this yeah the feeling <coughs> being intoxicated of yeah. and intoxication cannot exist on its own in mm -hmm. the same sense you would sober up if you stop drinking yeah so the fact that you're not sobering up means because you're still consuming alcohol mm -hmm. in this sense the fact that you're not sobering up from these intoxications is because you're still consuming things that keep you intoxicated sensual yeah. desire acting out of aversion and distraction mm. and it's like <coughs> a similar principle of trying basically forgetfulness almost trying to deliberately induced forgetfulness mm. of the things that are <coughs> obvious yeah because it's like a coping exactly. coping habit and but it, they only it's funny because you only need to try and forget that thing if it's already kind of some on some level recognized that it's mm. that it's a problem otherwise you wouldn't need to but to distract cope. yourself <laughs> or cope and the forgetfulness is a yeah. is a pleasure Exactly. The safety, yeah. even though you know what you f what you're forgetting about, it, just that you know, shutting your eyes, yeah. c covering your head is uh, pleasant. Yeah. But if that's the funny thing, though, like if you, like if if you are say in, even in terms of intoxication, <coughs> like if you're in a a situation where you know it's really you know, you, you, you must not forget, you must not become just careless or something, I don't know, you're driving or something or whatever. Most people at least, if you have some degree of of, of carefulness or, or wisdom or whatever, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you know, if, if you might, uh, I don't know, drink a small amount of alcohol or something, but if you were to realize, oh, I'm actually, I'm starting to become intoxicated, it would be seen as dangerous it would be seen as oh, okay mm. I, I can't let myself forget this mm. because I need because I can see the danger of forgetting so like in other words you can only you know, take pleasure in forgetting if you're already intoxicated, intoxicated yeah. to some degree yeah and that's that's mm -hmm. exactly the point like uh, you already start as being intoxicated mm -hmm. so there's no reference point of sobriety yeah the neutral yeah. position is seeing the danger. <coughs> well, that's how you work towards the neutral yeah. position. Then, yes, you, s you could still technically become careless, but then the danger is much more apparent in doing so, uh, as, as opposed to somebody who is in the beginning when there's, like, no reference point for the danger. And also, like, that's why, like, you know, I know when I, when, when I started it in the suttas, you know, back as a layman, and... So, obviously, you know, you have all these views and so on, but I remember, like, you read the suttas and you just seemed almost as if a matter of a fact that monks would just get the right view upon going into seclusion. 
Oh, they listen to the Buddha, then they go and dwell diligent and withdrawn. But at the same, that that was kind of not quite fitting with the with the assumption that the right view is on the level of figuring out things and having this 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 magical kind of breakthrough insight type into stuff that just suddenly surprised you. So it was like, what are they diligent about? What are they withdrawn from? Where do like oh, so if somebody makes the effort, right view was the necessary result of it. If somebody makes that right effort. Uh, and then just he comes, he talks to the Buddha, the Buddha instructs him, he goes and he dwells resolute and diligent and then in no time and then another one and then another one and then another one and then you might think, oh well, because you know, they were lucky talking to the Buddha and so on, but no, they were the ones diligent and resolute. So diligent and resolute about what? About spinning their mind constantly around how to figure this out, how to figure this out, was it rehashing everything? Well, maybe some to some extent, but there is uh, there's probably some more kind of practical unifying thread that all these different monks, regardless, you know, some, one might have arrived through faith, another might have arrived through, through discernment uh, and reasoning, another one might have arrived through composure. Either way, they all simply partake in diligence and resoluteness of keeping the mind away from unwholesome states and they all arrive at the right view and arahanship. Because you realize, aha, because that's where the emphasis is. It's not on a magical breakthrough through sensation experience of your meditation. It's not certainly through scholastic figuring out, you know, the implicit meaning, the hidden meanings of the Pali terms. And it's also not on the level of account or on account of just mere reasoning. You can reason all you want, but as I said many times before, if the mind is not attained through the gradual training in the right order, or withdrawal and diligence again diligence not I'm diligent I'm going to walk 20 kilometers and carry 50 liters of water on my back and live on top of a mountain and I'm diligent I'm diligent sure that's one way of being diligent but that's not the diligence we talk about diligence that matters is diligence of recognizing the unwholesome intention whenever it arises on a day-to-day basis and simply not acting out of it enduring it without losing context in regard to it every single time no exception that's all that's literally the all that you need to do and then whether you reason whether you ponder whether you speculate that will all sort of fall into place I say uh, that the five hindrances are fueled by the three kinds of misconduct. Um, so, body, misconduct by body, speech, speech and mind. <coughs> Acting out. Um, and the three ki- kinds of misconduct are fueled by a lack of sense restraint, which is basically implicit with. Yeah. Within, yeah. yeah. So, oh, why can't I stop acting out? I'm sure everybody at some point has asked themselves that mm-hmm. question. Well, Here's why. Because you're not restrained. Not restrained enough. You're still willingly, consciously, in full volition, choosing non-sense restraint when those options present themselves. Sure, maybe not as bad as you, you, you used to be or something, but factually, if you still can't help but act out, is because you still have not purified the restraint. 
the relay chariots. Seeing one's responsibility. <coughs> yes. yeah, yeah, exactly. Seeing that the direct reason for you still acting out is your um, choice choices made on a day-to-day -day basis that contradict the, the sensory strength. So you're still fueling it, and then it burns. You can be all surprised all you want, but you are the one pouring the fuel. So I say that the lack of sense restraint is fueled by a lack of mindfulness and situational awareness. Mm. Um, so, <coughs> like you're saying, this this um, this contradiction, yeah, that, you're, you're acting out of of. Yeah, so you lose sense restraint because you lost the context. So how do you lose the context then? How do you lose mindfulness? By does that happen accidentally? Just like you, know, you blink and it's gone, or again by choosing. To repeatedly attend, intend, engage with things that you know eventually lead to unwholesome. So they might not be bad at its face value right there, obviously bad, but you know like, yeah, but this will lead to what you led so many times before. And you ignore that hint, you ignore that sign, that cue. Not guarding the sense doors, basically. Yeah. And then when it comes to breaking the sense restraint, it's like the most natural decision mm -hmm. at the time because the mind is already inclined in that direction way before. Mm -hmm. So now you can't stop that momentum. Whereas if one practices sense restraint, then the possibility of seeing um, yeah, the, this context of, of the already arisen nature of experience mm. preceding mm. Yeah, myself or... Yeah, um, that is possible. That, that, that well, yeah, that remains. Becomes, yeah, that yeah. remains unobstructed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. It's always, it's always there, but yeah, yeah, the possibility yeah. of seeing it. Yes. And that's see, that's that's the thing. Like, while the views are still emphasized, a person might be making loads of effort, like tremendous amount of effort to keep clarifying that, keep clarifying what's already there, or isn't before me, not mine, but not actually purifying the sense restraint, withdrawal, and not acting out of intentions. So you're still, your effort's wasted in a sense, because your emphasis in the the, the 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 end, not the beginning of it of the, of that development. The first chariot. Yeah. So, yeah, sure. Bring back that. Oh, I remind myself of the context, but then also continue, and ask yourself, why did you lose the context in the first place? Why do you need to keep reminding yourself? Why do you need to keep rehashing things that you understood? Why are they still liable to doubt? Why are you bothered by it? Oh, well, because the taming that precedes it has not been developed, not sufficiently developed. So, of course, it's not going to be perfect. It's not like you're suddenly going to stop everything else and you do one, two, three. Sure, technically, theoretically possible. So the mind will still be jumping at the end, in the beginning, the middle, and so on. But as long as you now know what comes first is first, uh, you will not get, like, too carried away, say, in, in spinning, you know, a doubt and trying to figure it out while you know that, well, this is the result, this is the symptom of an underlying problem of insufficient 
enduring things on the right level, insufficient restraint. And when I say insufficient restraint, it does not mean, okay, so now I will really restrain myself. I will lock myself in a little box. I won't move. I will barely breathe. I will not do anything because that's not sense restraint. That's now self-torture. Sense restraint is when you are moving around freely throughout your day and then you have an intention that's directed towards sense desire, aversion, distraction on the level of the body, speech or mind. And that's which you don't act. Yep. That's what you endure. So you say that uh, you know that that's what you're supposed to do. Mm. You know enough of that. Sense, you know, uh, indulgence is wrong. Mm. <coughs> it's going to block my progress, everything. So I, I'm restrained. I keep precepts. And then the pressure comes to break those precepts yeah. or break restraint. And all the knowledge you have mm. doesn't work. Yeah, it's too distant. It became so it, it's, it's very nice. It's, yeah. it's right. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's 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 deep and meaningful, whatever. But it's it's yeah, too too, too far. far away. So now that uh, and you and you break your restraint to whatever degree, and you okay, oh yeah, and you you suffer on account of that, mm. and then you try again. Yeah. To build up the restraint, build up the restraint, and listen, you know, hear the same discussion on sense restraint, again and again, and then the pressure builds up, mm. and once again you, with all that knowledge, yeah. you you break that sense restraint. Yeah. So, so what? And that's to say that's that's a person who is just alone, <coughs> doing the practice themselves. Mm. Uh, I think that's. Uh, you can get stuck in that loop by yeah. yourself. Yeah. So, so you got all the information about the dangers of uh, sensual indulgence. Mm. You're trying to keep sensual restraint, yet. Yeah. You so know, then the question: you yourself are breaking it. Yeah. And then trying again and breaking it, so you just insulate it. Yeah. But that's isolated. the thing. The point is, when it comes to that, when 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 your inspiration and things you know kind of drifts away into distance and now pressure to break sense restraint is there and you act out of it well see the point is that that pressure to break the sense restraint does not just magically appear out of nowhere does not does not come overnight you were just like one moment you were you were really like full-on established in the right context everything is clear and then next moment it's oh you're about to act out now all of it is gone suddenly 100 mm. miles away no no, so means there have been things in between that that person was careless about, that that person was negligent, uh, distract himself with. So it was accumulating. A kind of gradual As training in the opposite. Yeah, so it was exactly, yeah, yeah, of course. Way. Whatever mind frequently thinks and ponders, that's what it will incline towards, as the suttas would say. So you might not be thinking core stuff, but there is stuff on the level of distraction, indolence, oblivion, and so on, that you are repeatedly, repeatedly engaging, even in solitude and so on, and then the pressure is building up and the clarity is drifting away. So that's why I said before, like, it's recognizing the little things. And that's, you know, the Buddha said it himself, like the skillful cook and so on. 
like before these these states of mind come and pressure you where you kind of know you're going to lose sensory strength to a degree you start learning and foreseeing like the the the, the little the little telltales dangers oh, in the slightest fault yeah well yeah exactly. so this is not a fault technically but every single time in the past when i went and was engaging with with things of this nature uh, here and there I did have sensual arrest arise later on unrelated to this directly but mm. still related to the to, to the acts around it so and that's what I mean you build it up so um, it's not that kind of um, that pressure that has been accumulated and now it's making you act that doesn't come out of nowhere that's the point Because it might seem that way, because for the same reason as we said when we started this, because you're still emphasizing the end, failing to understand that what you're going through is still the result of other actions that you've been ignoring. Cannot be otherwise. Because sometimes you can feel like, but look, I'm doing everything right, and now there is this pressure here. That would be impossible. That would be impossible. So in the Sutta, there's an analogy which is like, yeah, perfect for describing what you just said. Uh huh. (coughs) Go ahead. Um, So it says, it's like when the rain pours down on a mountain top <coughs> and the water flows downhill to fill the hollows, the crevices and the creeks. As they become full, they fill up the pools. The pools fill up the lakes. Mm. The lakes fill up the streams. It accumulates. The streams fill up the rivers. Spills over. And as the rivers the become full, they fill up the ocean. <coughs> yeah. That's the fuel for the ocean and that's how it is filled up. In the same way, when the factor of associating with oh so th- these are the factors we didn't come to yet but mm. so, um, yeah so th- when the factor of associating with bad people is fulfilled <coughs> it's uh, it fulfills the factor of listening to an untrue teaching when the factor of listening to an untrue teaching is fulfilled it fulfills the factor of a lack of faith um, yeah. and then and that's exactly what I've been describing <coughs> see like it doesn't mean untrue teaching some some ridiculously like wrong views. No, it means simply uh, wrong instructions. Instructions not clear enough, not emphasizing the right things. So you will lack faith. Means basically you will lack uh, ability to emphasize that which doesn't seem natural to emphasize. That which doesn't seem the most important or pressing thing to emphasize. You won't emphasize it you'll emphasize what you think you should emphasize. When you start hearing the... the so somebody, you come across the teaching that's actually rightly expounded and tells you, well, <coughs> you should stop emphasizing your views. You should stop emphasizing <coughs> the end result of it and start foreseeing how these things occur, not in terms of psychologizing and just explain to yourself how this happened, but the moments of the, the day when you are deciding to go against the sense restraint or distraction, you start emphasizing that. And as I said, you will have no immediate criteria that that's the right way to do it because you're pressured on the level of the views. You're pressured to clarify the views, to resolve the views, to to attain the views. Mm. But it's like, yeah, well, you got to put that second and actually emphasize body, speech, and mind, actions, routine, greed, aversion, delusion. And they say, okay, I've been emphasizing it, but what now? What now? Where is my view? Where is my view? Well, you have to have faith and keep emphasizing the right order of things, the right development. And then your own pressure of where are my views and what's happening will subside. It's like, um, I think it relates back to <coughs> that, what you were just saying about that pressure um, 
you tried to be uh, sense restrained and then pressure builds up and at some point you uh, break the sense restraint and then oh damn it, I broke it again it's like it, you, it can kind of think that oh like oh because I acted out of it therefore this um, danger and problems that I thought I was understanding must not be clear enough I must think about it more mm, mm, and mm, that's yeah. completely like the wrong yeah you can think about it more but you, you need to realize that it doesn't matter how much you kind of manage to sort of build up that inspirational kind of thinking, it will fade away. It's mm -hmm. natural. Things come and go. Yeah. Um, so, so you still have to then recognize that you really need to start emphasizing that the behavioral aspect of it mm -hmm. and things that you won't do. And see, the pressure will build up inevitably. Um, mm -hmm. And then you realize, okay, I need to act out. But then you still have an option as to what you act out towards. Like yeah. you, it doesn't need to be sensuality. Like, I need to act out. It's just too much pressure. Yes, I was careless. I still don't know to what extent and how. Okay, well, go for a walk. Yes, technically, it's acting out. But it's not acting out on the level of fully distracting yourself with sense desires or winding yourself up with ill will and so on. Because those kind of neutral acting outs or not as unwholesome acting out, won't, take, won't make you drift too far away, which means then you can recompose better. That's what that, that, um, the simile in that sutta would have said, like even if a monk, having gone to the forest, is mm. not making any effort, he's just sleeping all day and having sensual thoughts all day long, and just not... Nevertheless, he's in a more suitable environment, his mind will eventually calm down and compose. Consequently, you have the mo a monk in the middle of the village who is not sleeping, who is very diligent, who is not having lustful thoughts, but he's in the unsuitable environment with constant exposure to sight, sound, smell, taste, touches. So his mind will lose composure. I think there's also, there's also just an aspect that, you know, it's not that um, I need to kind of yeah, clarify these things more so that there will be no pressure to act oh, out. Oh, yeah. It's so, yeah. like, the whole point is that, you know, you have to start by not acting out in the face of everything that's, oh, I must, but you, I must, uh, there is this pressure, but I don't act out of the pressure. Yeah. So, like, regardless of it, and that's how you would actually build up further clarity and mm. mm. that would then make that pressure diminish yeah. in the future. Yes, it's uh, going to the village or the city, or as he's uh, traveling around. Mm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's these gradual uh, distractions. Yeah, gradual uh, Ero erosions. Yeah, it's <laughs> like a cu cover-up. Whereas yeah. in the forest, it's kind of more of a the opening. Yeah, you know, things are a yeah. bit more uh, mm. apparent and clear to you as the per person who's there alone. Your well, mind. Basically, your forest is, is like a pool that doesn't have anywhere else to spill further. Like mm -hmm. in, on the base of the simile he read. So, in the forest, your pool of sensual thoughts can fill up and pressures and so on, but there is nothing further external that can keep spilling further and, and can cause more mm -hmm. proliferation and more distraction and more density. So, it remains in the environment that kind of is not suitable for that growth. If you remain in that environment, even if the mind is careless, sleepy, so on, lazy, uh, sensual, it will come down because the environment just has nowhere else to spill. Yeah, and it's easier to ignore <coughs> those little faults when there's lots going on. Or yeah. you, you know, yeah. 
it's maybe being alone or isolated to a certain degree you are your thoughts are clearer so mm. you, you kind of those things that you are thinking doing are clearer to you yeah you know to some yeah again now that can become also I'll never see any person ever again yeah. but you you have to recognize no it's all on the basis of where my intentions are and I'm finding the, the environment that can support like uh, keeping the clarity in yeah. regard to my own choices these little choices that would then result in building up these these bigger pressures that then I would not be able to help myself and then act out of so it's like the clarity so the, it's mm. the clarity so you're not clear what you're doing these little things you're not clear about the little things that you're doing that where they're leading to mm. but if you were clear well why are you not clear why would well a person you, not be clear you, you, is that because they haven't read enough suttas for example no, you're choosing at some well which means you are clear means you know but you're choosing to ignore what you already know so that's the reason mm -hmm. for the lack of clarity that's my point it's like yeah. oh I'm not clear because I just don't know what to do you already know deep down you know exactly what not to do especially like you know you read few suttas have listened to some talks it's more than enough to, to, to paint a clear picture of what should be done and what shouldn't be done so yes the lack of clarity builds up but not because you simply don't know what you're doing but because on that smaller subtler scale you're actually going against the clarity that you know you already have so what you know you shouldn't do you're doing it and you're ignoring it and then that builds up and then it comes to the point of what you obviously know you shouldn't do means nothing you still do it because you built it up so far the pools have been filled up so now you can just magically so unplug it there so say someone's doing that mm. constantly that's the mm. habit mm. Uh, of restraining and then gradually slipping slipping yeah. concealing knowing that you're doing something wrong but yeah knowingly kind of and that's the habit yeah that's the habit that's the habit so what's the first so step to break out so of that habit yeah what's the, what will throw a spanner in that in that kind of thing what would throw a spanner way? in that kind of thing because I know yeah it is it's clear to me that so it's clear that it's wrong yeah are wrong. you feel ashamed afterwards you know you shouldn't have done it then you don't do it for a while but then the the carelessness the distraction the, the the builds up the lack of clarity and then you do it again and then same cycle and then same cycle and then same cycle what's the first step to break that cycle what is the the growth in the discipline of a noble one recognizing a mistake uh, uh, an offense as an offense or well recognizing is not enough well uh, this person recognizes it every time okay, but then okay. slips away and the recognition drifts away so what's the what's the act that's 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 okay. the spanner in the works revealing it exactly yeah, yeah. bringing it out to the light confessing it to mm. somebody else so you feel that shame you feel that weight you feel that disgust even but it's out mm. you can't hide it anymore that 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 last layer of oh well this is just in here uh, it's gone now mm. 
And that's already the practice. That's already a way of addressing it. It's like any addiction. Most <coughs> people who are addicts, mm. you know, with drugs you have and to so admit, on, basically. they have to first they have to say it, but it, it doesn't just help saying it internally. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And then us, I oh know heroin is wrong, and now they give it up. They always have to ask or speak to others, say it out loud in a group, mm. keep repeating it to themselves. I'm an alcoholic. My name is such and such. And yeah. Yeah. Well, it also it helps with like you know you might um, sort of feel to some you, you might feel ashamed of yourself when you do these things but if you really say it to somebody else it's like you know it it, it kind it's of out of your hands absolutely yeah, yeah. it really forces you to well forces but it, it helps to take up responsibility for it as well because now okay it's not only me who knows about this other people do as well so. yeah so it's like one thing too as mm. as monastics we we have that you know that's the protocols you know you break mm. a rule you confess it but as a like a lay person just keeping five precepts eight precepts by themselves outside that can be a big obstacle i reckon you know because who yeah. you confess to yeah yeah, yeah. yourself well so but no if somebody wants to wants to train their mind and knows right is right and wrong is wrong and what they shouldn't be doing and then they keep losing the context going back to it building up then you say it you say it, you say it publicly like uh, to a group to a monk to two monks to five monks just because it's like yeah this is who I am and that's not going to feel pleasant and that can be more than enough to to bring you back into shape that's like it's the growth in the practice <coughs> 